Hello, everybody. You are listening to the Snow Deal and the Priest podcast, where today we are joined by radio and podcast personality Ari Temkin. You're listening to the Snow Deal and the Priest podcast. I'm Danny Priest here with Ian Snow Deal, and we are joined by Ari Temkin. Uh, you have a host of titles, so I'll just name a couple different ones. Uh, part of the Dallas Cowboys Radio Network, 105.3 The Fan, host of Sirius XM Big 12 Radio Channel, co-host of the Showtime with Coop Podcasts on CLNS Media Network. Uh, Ari, how are you? And thank you for joining us here today. Doing, doing great. Appreciate, uh, appreciate you having me. Uh, Daniel, obviously, I know you pretty well because of the work we were doing together with CLNS Media. So I appreciate you, buddy. And you guys both have some tremendous last names. We got to work on the title of your podcast because you bo- both have some really good pun, possible puns for your names. Priest and Snow Deal, like that's, there's a lot we could do with that. So we got to rethink it here. I'm not, I'm not as creative or clever as other people, but we, there's something we can do better than Snow Deal and Priest. There's some I mean, pun possibilities there. Truth be told, that was an emergency name because <laughs> clearly you called <laughs> Fresh Meat which our professor, one of our professors gave us that title as like a joke, but we just rolled with it. And we put out a few episodes, got some like decent views on them. And all of a sudden this company in Chicago emailed us and said we were using their name and that we had to give it up. So you got to cease and desist from fresh meat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've been rolling with this ever since. <laughs> radio show that You're like, we're just college kids. What? Like, we're not any money. Please just let us keep the name. Yeah, right. <laughs> so we, we can work on it, though. There'll be something there. I'm just saying you both have very punnable. At, you're not like Smith and Johnson, you know? I mean, Snow Deal and Priest are pretty kind of, you know, unique names yes. that we could, we could do good puns with. So that's so all I'm saying. Can you just start by kind of telling the people listening, like, what a regular day is for you? Not that anything is regular right now, but kind of what you do and how you go about your day to day with your work. Sure. You know, I'm, um, I'm fortunate because, um, you know, I, I, I started in, you know, more traditional media radio and, um, you know, I worked in small towns and then, you know, I was able to work my way up into Austin, Texas, where I, I hosted a talk show on 104.9 The Horn. Um, and then into San Antonio where I was with ESPN radio in San Antonio for about six and a half years. You know, so that was more traditional, you know, get ready for your radio show, you know, prep for a three hour radio show kind of thing where that's really all you do. You know, you, you, and, and it's, it's a dream in, in many ways because it's just constantly reading and watching and observing sports and finding interesting storylines and interesting narratives and interesting talking points. And um, so that was, you know, really my day to day for a long time. Um, and then, you know, I, 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 was part of a digital media startup and uh, kind of at the tail end of my, my stay in San Antonio. And that in many ways changed a lot of what I did day to day, you know, and it changed the way I looked at a business, you know, and, and, you know, the business is evolving. It's, it's changing. I think there's sort of this mix between traditional media and new media and, you know, and, and those are blending. Um, and, you know, so I, I, I think no matter what you do, you can, continue to do what you do and stay in your comfort zone, or you can um, become comfortable being uncomfortable and learn new things and figure out where the business is going and evolving. And, and it doesn't matter what business you're in. Um, you always have to evolve. I mean, you can, you can 
there are legitimate issues for businesses through, during this pandemic, but at the same time, like just you have to evolve, evolve or die. And the pandemic, you know, it's not just a, a this this is not just a something that's going to be gone here and gone. It's it's like you have to evolve no matter what business you're in to figure out how to leverage, you know, where the business is going no matter what the business is. And so, um, you know, I, I was with the digital uh, startup for a long time, digital media startup for a long time, and then I moved to, to Dallas and was working in that capacity. Um, and then that, that startup kind of changed, evolved, and was less focused on content. Um, and so I kind of went away from that and, and you know, was more into SiriusXM and hosting a daily talk show on the Big 12 network and, and the Cowboys radio network. And then you know, I got an opportunity with CLNS Media um, to do some, some recruiting, podcasting, um, and a bunch of different stuff. And so it's a long way to say uh, I really enjoy my jobs because I'm not doing the same thing every day. Every day there's new things to learn, to figure out, uh, to investigate. And uh, I found a lot of fulfillment in that. You know, I, I, I love hosting talk shows and, you know, the same kind of stuff that, that I talked about at the beginning, you know, with, with finding interesting narratives and talking points and, and, you know, exposing those. And, and I still enjoy that very much, but I also enjoy not doing the same thing every day and changing up what I do and, you know, and, and that keeps it fresh. And, and you know, I'm just a, a firm believer in know the things you don't know so that you can grow as a person, evolve as a person and get better as a person to get outside your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Well said. I hope that answered your question. I don't know if it did. Yeah. Yeah, what yeah. do I do? A lot of different things. A lot of different <laughs> things. Just like going into like your past, like how did you honestly just get into sports media in general and then focusing uh, right now into like your radio end of things? Sure. So, I mean, you know, I, I, I always wanted to be in sports, you know, and, and that's kind of what everybody says. Um, you know, I, I've had so many talks with people that it's like, you know, my son just loves, he's obsessed with sports. He knows every stat. It's like, yeah, I know. I mean, like, so does a lot of boys, you know, a lot of kids, a lot of girls too. I mean, it's just like, yeah, that's, there are a lot of sports is such a galvanizing thing in the world. And, and there's such a love for sports insofar as like, it's probably not safe for there to be sports on right now, but we kind of need it, you know? So that gives you an idea of how important sports is in our society. So I kind of always needed, I always wanted to be close to sports. Um, you know, I, I hosted a, a weekly one hour day, uh, talk show in, in, in my final year at the university of Kansas. Um, and, you know, that was my first opportunity there first, you know, uh, real opportunity in, in sports talk radio. Uh, and then, you know, I kind of didn't know what I wanted to do and got some really good advice. And that's, you know, the, the best advice I can give anybody else is find people that will give you advice. You know, some people will give you good advice. Some people will give you bad advice and some people won't give you any advice, but just find a lot of people that will give you advice. You know, find people in your industry you want to work in, um, reach out, email them, ask them for advice. Um, you'll get some good advice. And uh, the advice that I got, you know, when I, I grew up in Chicago and I, so I moved back to Chicago briefly after graduating uh, and, you know, knew I wanted to do it, but didn't know, should I stay in a big market? Maybe, you know, try to work as a board op at a station part time, you know, kind of back my way in that way. Should I work in sales or in marketing at a radio station and work my way that way? And I, I, I spoke to a guy who worked in radio sales at, at a sports station in Chicago and he was like, what do you want to do? I was like, well, I want to be on air. He said, well, go be on air, you know, like go somewhere where they'll put you on air because if you're going to, if you want to work in sales to get your way into on air, it's not going to happen. So go be somewhere that you're going to be on air. And I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. So, you know, I got an opportunity at a, a 
station in Moberly, Missouri, um, which, you know, is a town of about 30,000 people. Um, but it was a, a pretty big station that kind of covered all of mid-Missouri. So it was a, a big station for a bunch of small towns in Missouri. And I, you know, I did everything. Um, I did farm news. I did, um, you know, country music DJ. I was, you know, I just, I, I did everything. A lot of, I mean, I didn't do any sports talk, but I did a lot of play-by-play -play for sports. And, you know, I worked tremendously long hours and got paid very little. Um, and the opportunity in hindsight, it was, it was a, it was tough. I mean, it was a tiny town. I grew up in Chicago. I thought Lawrence, Kansas would be the smallest town I'd ever live in. And, you know, here's this tiny town that just was just so foreign to me, you know, and, and I, I, I got the experience of being on air every day, which is just, you can't replace that. You know, it was just so impactful for me in hindsight, especially. And so I, you know, I spent two and a half years there. I was sending out MP3s and, you know, and I was just constantly trying to reach out to people and stay in, you know, stay in touch, but it was just, it's difficult. It's difficult when you're a small town to get out of that small town. So I kind of took a leave of faith and uh, moved with my uh, girlfriend at the time, wife now to Austin, Texas. I didn't know what I was going to do. I wanted to stay in radio, but, you know, didn't really have many prospects there other than trying to get in touch with some of the program directors, the stations in Austin and not really hearing back from them. So long story short, I, I kind of worked my way into an opportunity at, at the Austin sports station, but I, that happened because of the experience that I had being on air every day. I was comfortable being on air and I had that comfort level that, that once I got, you know, it's kind of like in sports, like Tom Brady, you know, I'm not comparing myself to Tom Brady. What I'm saying is Brady was the backup. He put himself in position to where when he got the opportunity, he would, he would take that. And that's in life. That's what you have to do. You have to seize those opportunities. There's luck involved. You have to get that, that luck, that break. But if you are positioned to be successful because you put in the work, what you'll, you'll, you'll thrive when you get that break. That's what you have to do. You, you, you want to, you want to put in the work that once you get an opportunity, you can take advantage of it, just like Tom Brady and many other athletes across sports. And that's, you know, that's what happened with me. I, I, I seized the opportunity when I had it and, um, and, you know, and, and that opportunity came from the work that I put in in Missouri. Um, so I, I worked in Austin for a couple of years um, and then got an opportunity in San Antonio for the, a station that was this owned by the same company at the time uh, was in San Antonio as the program director and show host uh, for about six, six years. Uh, and then took another leap of faith in my career when got the opportunity to do the Cowboys stuff, but that wasn't a full-time job. It was just, you know, part-time. So uh, I knew with what I was doing with that digital startup was an opportunity, uh, plus the cowboy stuff. And my wife is from Dallas, so it was a good opportunity for us to move back, you know, to where she lives, where her parents can help us take care of the kids. So it, it all made sense. And then, you know, a few months after that, I got the opportunity with SiriusXM and then an opportunity with CLNS Media. So, um, you know, it, it, the thing is, you never, if you're in my position, I'm never satisfied. I'm always wanting more. Um, and so, you know, you kind of feel like if I'm in your position, graduating college, like if I looked at myself now, I'd be like, wow, that's amazing. I'm so lucky to be there and happy to be there. Like, that's great. I'd, I'm fine being where I am. And, it, and then when you get there, you're, you're not, you know, you, you, it's never enough. You always want more. Um, so I think that's good. I guess sometimes you need to smell the roses, but other times it's good to, you know, to constantly looking for the next thing and, and better opportunities and bigger opportunities. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you have some years built up in the industry now. Do you think, you know, working with athletes and kind of trying to cover them, has that gotten more difficult as yes. you know, big emphasis has come across athletes trying to control their own message versus letting the media take a hold of their message? Do you think 
it's a little more difficult to talk with them and get stories out of them now than it was years ago? Access is harder. You know, access is much more limited. You look back on the media, you know, 20, 30 years ago, and there was just an unbelievable amount of access that they got. Uh, but I think that's, it makes sense. You know, there's so much media, not even to take into account social media, that you have to. Uh, before 20, 30 years ago, there was newspaper, television guys, radio guys. That's it, right? So the point of entry for media is much easier now than it used to be, which is good. It's a good thing. Um, it, it makes it a true meritocracy in that regard. But at the same time, yeah, I mean, it, your coverage is going to be limited or your access can be limited. So I think in that, and this has always remained true, it's a relationship-based thing. You know, it, it's a, it's, you have to put in time and an effort and, and build trust. The best reporters do that. Um, and, um, you know, especially in terms of breaking stories, I mean, I'm not, I'm not out to break stories. Mm -hmm. That's not what I'm trying to do. You know, I'm, I'm more into the talk show, interesting narratives, that kind of point of view. So my, I don't need to have great relationships with players in order to do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's access is definitely more limited. And, and to your point, I mean, there's the players tribune, obviously players have control of their brand through their social media accounts. So I wouldn't say they don't need the media as a conduit because I think that's short-sighted, but yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a belief from athletes that they, they have their own voice and their own platforms in order to be able to tell their own stories. Um, and so, yeah, that, that also limits access too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, I mean, that's, that's just tough. I mean, they always, always want to like cultivate their own message, but I mean, in your, I guess in your sense, it's a lot easier, but then going into like your favorite, so you've been covering a lot. Like what's your favorite kind of like sports memory in your career so far? I've been pretty fortunate. Um, you know, I mean, first of all, you know, I grew up in Chicago as a Bears fan, but the Dallas Cowboys are God's gift to sports talk radio. You know, and I, and I you know, in Austin, the Cowboys are huge. In San Antonio, I mean, in San Antonio, the Cowboys are bigger than the Spurs are, to give you an idea. I mean, they're, they're just so huge. So I've covered them for a long time, even before I lived in Dallas. And they're just so great. They are really just so polarizing and always feeding headlines and there's so much interest in them. They're the highest valuation of any franchise in all of sports. Uh, so, I mean that, you know, being as close as I have to the Cowboys now in Dallas has been fun. Uh, but, but certainly being able to cover the Spurs when I was able to, um, you know, I, I, I was really fortunate to be in San Antonio at a great time. You know, I saw, I moved to San Antonio the year the, Cow the, the Spurs drafted Kawhi Leonard. I saw Kawhi become go from basically being a, you know, an inconsistent three-point shooter, great defensive player, becoming one of the best players in the NBA. Um, I, I was in Miami when Ray Allen um, hit the shot to beat the Spurs or to, to send the, the game six in overtime, and then the Spurs lose in game seven, and then was covering the Spurs and Heat the next year when the Spurs won the title. Um, so those two years, you know, covering Spurs and Heat, um, certainly our, our experiences I'll never forget, especially, obviously, um, you know, being in the building when, when Ray Allen had the shot and those memories, those are just kind of the things in sports that, you know, you, you think about how lucky you are to be in this business uh, to, be, to be covering that. Um, so, yeah, that certainly covering the Spurs in that period of time uh, was tremendous. It was a renaissance for an organization that the Patriots get so much credit for the longevity, longitudinal success they've had. The, the Spurs are right there with them, uh, rebuilding, you know, um, drafting and developing players, uh, winning over multiple decades. It's, it's, it's incredible what the Spurs have been able to do. Being uh, that iteration of the Spurs run was, uh, was, was a lot of fun and something certainly I'll always remember. After uh, Ray Allen hit that shot, did you think the Spurs still had a chance in that series? Did that feel like 
kind of the knockout punch them. Because those series, I feel like people forget those two teams were so close with each other every time they played. You know, it's a great question. I mean, I'd be lying to you if I said I, I thought it was over. Um, however, you know, I went to the University of Kansas, as I mentioned, and, and in 2008, uh, Mario Chalmers hit a shot against Memphis to send that game in overtime. And, and just in my experiences in watching basketball, teams that hit shots like that don't usually lose, you know, especially in that game. In game six, I, I had a pretty good feeling the, the, the Spurs weren't going to win in game six after that shot went in for the same reason that, like, the, the Jayhawks weren't going to lose when Mario Chalmers hit that shot to send the national championship game in 2008 to overtime. And you see that all the time in basketball. It's just a back-breaking shot that players will say it didn't affect them, but it does. It does. Mm-hmm. Um, now they still had a chance in game seven, and so I'd be lying to you if I said, you know, they, I didn't think they were going to win game seven. Um, and not only that, but, like, game seven was really close, too. Like, mm-hmm. Tim Duncan had a point-blank layup to win the game at the end and didn't. Um, so, you know, I, I certainly felt good about their chances in game seven, but the thing is like the Spurs only get one of those titles, you know, like I think some Spurs fans would look back on that and be like, oh man, they could have had, they could have had that two peat going back to back, but it's, it's like losing in, I can't remember what year it was losing to the heat set them up to win the next year. And their whole year was set up as, you know, to, 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 to rectify it, you know, that, that whole season from the start was set up to, to right the wrong, to win that title. So they only get one of those two. So they ended up, they still end up getting a title. And that's the thing I think that like stands out to me is they weren't going to win both of them. If they won the one when Raylan hit the shot, they, they probably don't go back to back. Now who know, we'll never know, but, but that, that whole season, the next year, I think it was, was 2016. Around. Oh, yeah. Um, that whole season and you could really do a great study in sports on what greg popovich did for that season because a lot of the things that he did as a coach you just don't see in sports it's a lot of things you, you don't often see in sports pop i think is the greatest nba coach ever mm-hmm. and maybe the greatest coach in team sports ever and i'm saying this to people that you know are grew up around the celtics and I'm sure you guys know even though you're young about red auerbach uh, and then also i grew up in chicago in the 90s with phil jackson and and great coaches they, they've won more titles than Pop, but I just think the ability to evolve, like those coaches didn't evolve as much as Pop did over the course of the six championships or five championships that he won. Yeah, and he's still doing it to this day too. So True, but they're, they're kind of a mess. Yeah, <laughs> they need some more pieces. But uh, you mentioned you grew up in Chicago. Uh, I don't know like how old you were around the time Jordan was everything around there. You said you were a Bears fan. Do you feel like growing up in that city kind of influenced your passion for sports, no question. you would have had it. Yeah, no, no question. question. I mean, and, and definitely the Bulls in the 90s. And I grew up, I was born in 1985. So, yeah, um, the, the, I was right there in the window of, of, you know, my childhood is the Bulls were the best always, every year. Uh, I didn't know any different. And so, yeah, no question. Jordan and the Bulls, that influenced my life tremendously uh, in terms of my passion for sports. Yeah. Uh, Ian, you want to go into some of the college football stuff now? Yeah, so you you do a lot of work just covering college football, and then like, how much uh, is like this pandemic gonna affect this moving forward? And like, honestly, just your daily operations as well, just like you working as like an entity. Sure, a ton. Um, it's gonna be very difficult for there to be a college football season in in twenty twenty. It's very difficult. It, it much more difficult than the professional levels. So, you know, they are going to try to jam a foot a college football season because they have to. Uh, because they have budgets to meet, but 
but um, at the same time, it, it's, it's going to be difficult. How does that affected my job? Uh, pretty, pretty big. Um, you know, I, I went from hosting a daily talk show on Big 12 radio to a daily live talk show to hosting uh, a pre-recorded podcast, pre-recorded show for an hour every day, uh, basically starting in March. Um, and then, you know, in, Ju- in July, we went to three days a week. So it's been tough, especially when you're paid per show. You know, it's had a dramatic influence on my, uh, on my, um, you know, my income. But, you know, I've just got to figure out other things to do to make, make money, you know. Uh, but that's not exactly related to the lack of college football as much as it is related to, you know, all the producers and, and engineers and such that, that would have to go into studios and offices in, in Washington, D.C. to make these shows happen. Um, so now I w- I'd be lying if I said it wasn't somewhat related to college football. And if there isn't, you know, a college football season, you know, that would, would certainly impact, I would imagine, the strategy we have at SiriusXM on that. But um, just got to go with the flow and evolve, kind of like I said at the start. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's a ton of issues with college sports and, you know, trying to make a season happen, especially football. Do you feel like there's one primary issue that's kind of holding it back? I know a lot of people say it's tough for college to operate because there's not like one figure guiding things. Like the NBA has Adam Silver, the NFL has Roger Goodell. College doesn't have that. Do you feel like that's a big factor or it's just the entire list of, you know, what teams are playing, what kind of schedule can they do, all that other stuff? Yes. I mean, there's so many things. I mean, if only there was like an organization that could oversee all of college sports and, you know, and, and influence decision-making and make decisions like a commissioner. I mean, if only there was some kind of an organization that was set up to do that. I, it's bizarre how that doesn't already exist or they don't really have the power to really tell college football anything. Um, it's amazing the NCAA has outsourced their greatest commodity, <laughs> the college football playoff formerly to the BCS and now to the college football playoff. The NCAA doesn't run their most important commodity, which is college football playoffs and, and the national championship, which is incredible. It shows you how much power they have. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's the problem is, you know, Mark Emmert and the NCAA could fulfill this role, but they can't because the power resides in the money and the money resides in the power five. So, yeah, it's very difficult because there's a lack of uniformity because everybody's going to do it in their own best self-interest. I'm talking about the Power Five, which we saw with how the, the, it all rolled out with each conference sort of making their own decisions. Now there's rumors the Big Ten is thinking about potentially canceling the season already, which is incredible, which would – I mean, I would say this early would be unthinkable, uh, especially with regards to the type of revenue that's a, a, that they would stand to lose. But, yeah, I mean, there's just so many pieces here. Um, to indicate how hard it's going to be to have a football season. Um, I mean, it, it's, it's testing, it's protocol, it's procedures, it's coaches, you know, not doing selfish things to win football games. Um, you know, it, it, it's, we're already, we've already seen a lot of players come out and say that they don't feel safe playing under these guidelines. Um, and then you have, of course, you know, just the, the players having the feeling of invincibility, you know, like uh, even if I get this, it won't affect me, you know, whatever they're thinking, they'll justify going out, having fun, being, you know, doing what, what college kids want to do, which, which is just stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's just so much there in terms of everything we just laid out and more. 
Um, so it's it's difficult, but again, they're gonna they're gonna try to push a season, no matter what, because of the type of revenue that's at stake. Mm-hmm. And I mean, same topic, but flipping it over to the NFL, uh, you're in Jerry world. I'm assuming he he is. You know, I'm under the impression that he's going to want to play the season no matter what. I'm sure a lot of other owners feel the same way. I think the NFL is going to try. I don't know if they'll be able to finish it. Do you feel the same way that they're going to try no matter what to get the season going? So the NFL, I mean, professional sports are different. Um, you know, they, they're collectively bargained. So you, 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 you can't – that's part of the issue with college sports where you have, like, college kids saying, I don't, you know, I, I, I don't feel like we're getting the best – medical care, the coaches aren't looking out for our best self-interest. Um, and then there's the feeling of exploitation because they're not, you know, they're not making money, right? So there's, there's all that at the college level. The NFL level, it's, in, in professional level, it's different, right? There's collective bargaining agreements that they, both sides have agreed to. So you kind of understand the rules of engagement better. Um, you can also sort of force quarantine in a way that you probably can't uh, in, in, at the college level. Like there's just so many different components, professional versus amateur that, that, that are there. But I mean, try like the NFL doesn't think like, is there a pandemic going on? Is there something we should be concerned about? Like the NFL seems so far moved from reality. It's even hard to express it, Um, which I guess could be a good thing. Right. Um, The NFL will have a season. Uh, You know, they, they might have replacement players. I don't know what they're going to have a season. I'm I'm telling you they're like, they even bypassed the whole, we're going to have fans. Like they just went straight to the, Fans will wear masks. Like there, there wasn't even an announcement of NFL is going to have fans in games this year. They just went for like our fans are going to wear masks. It's like whoa! Like that's how that is how out of tune with reality the NFL is. They didn't even make an announcement that they were going to have fans in the stadium. They went straight for the our fans wore masks. Which, I mean, you go to an NFL game, you walk inside, you take off your mask, you start drinking beer, you start eating. You're not putting your mask back on. Like I wouldn't feel comfortable going to an NFL stadium. Yeah you know, today. Um, so yeah, the NFL will play. Um, and you know, they're, they're, they'll play and they'll play a season. They, they will not cancel the season. I, I just see no way that that happens. I, I just see no way that that happens. Yeah. I think it just as crazy as that sounds, but the NFL is even crazier. Like they're going to get their season. Yeah. The way they've handled it has just been crazy too. Like really the only team that's had, a series of opt-outs has been the Patriots. They had, it was like five or six guys in one day last week who all decided that they weren't going to play. And then other than that, I feel like you haven't seen a lot around the league. So no, totally entire league's mentality that like, this isn't even really going on and we're just going to carry on. I think there will be more as we get closer to the season. Um, There will be more, but yeah, the Patriots are the most impacted by it. And it, you know, Bill Belichick's an extremely competitive guy. He doesn't yeah. want to lose, but you almost kind of feel like throw Jarrett Stidham out there, tank the season, and go get Trevor Lawrence and, you know, go win another six Super Bowls. <laughs> yeah, you'd like that, Ian. <laughs> got to be brutal. But, I mean, that's what you have right now. You've got very important, impactful players that are saying they're not going to play this year. And I don't know, Devin McCourty hasn't made a decision yet, but it certainly seems like he's thinking about not playing. Um, gone. His brother's probably gone. That's two more out of there. Right, secondary. right. So I mean, at, at this point, you know, go get Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> go piss off everybody in the NFL. <laughs> All right, back to like the media side though. Um, you're one host a podcast, but then you're also doing live radio all the time. 
is there like a big difference in the way that works for you or is it kind of the same? No, totally different. And that's, you know, like I, I'm hosting tons of podcasts and, and now even with Sirius XM, I'm not, you know, hosting live radio. I, I do a lot of fill-in work for ESPNU radio and I've, I've done some live shows recently there, but there's just nothing like live radio. Um, so that's to say that I much prefer live radio over podcast. Now, that's kind of an incomplete statement because I much prefer hosting a live radio show to making that live radio show a podcast, a pre-recorded podcast. Um, the podcasts that I host independent of that are, are unique and fun and interesting in their own ways. But yeah, I mean, there's just nothing like a live radio show, you know, um, especially in this day and age where news is constantly happening and, you know, being able to be react to it in real time as opposed to, you know, pre-recorded show that's kind of record, you know, recorded to be live. And it's like you record it and then it's done. And then something happens in the news cycle and it's like, well, now we got to re-record. Uh, as opposed to you're doing a live radio show, you're going to miss, you know, after off the air news might break, but that's okay. We'll get to it tomorrow. And, you know, you have the excuse of, well, I mean, we were off the air at that point. The show was over at that point, or as opposed to now where it's like, if you, you know, if, if you're not like the other night, 830 central 9 30 eastern time the big 12 made the announcement of they're going to do the nine conference games plus one well show's already recorded by then so the next day the biggest story in the big 12 is not going to be on your show you know and 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 that's not completely accurate because there were indications that that would be the case but it's just it, it's just not the same um there's just a lot of free-flowing conversation there's it's just it's just different and i miss it a lot Hmm. You think once uh, sports kind of get back to what we're used to before, you're going to be able to jump back into that stuff, no problem? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I feel like that's something that'll never go away. Um, just kind of the style of radio and like you said, free flowing conversations, like that's something that'll always be kind of relevant and able to do, at least in my opinion, I think. Oh, totally. The spoken word will live forever. Um you know, it's, it's unique. It's different. It's, you know, even if it exists on like YouTube, I have a YouTube page. Um, and I mean, it's, it's basically radio, but, but visual, you know, I mean, so it's the same thing. So even when there's, even when there's self-driving cars, so people will be less reliant on listening and can watch, there will still be some semblance of spoken word, um, you know, opinions, uh, free thought, you know, free flowing, like that stuff will never, and that's why podcasting has become even bigger. It's just a behemoth because of that. So yeah, it, it's, you know, there, there will always be a need for, 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 uh, for theater of the mind for sure. Mm -hmm. Now, last thing before we let you go, we can't let you go without running you through some predictions for the sports that we have back. So I don't know how much bubble basketball you've been watching, but the game's been really good. Uh, I think there's something to be said about, removing the worst eight teams from the league that the level of play goes up significantly because every yep. game has been close and competitive. Agreed. So who do you think is going to win the finals? Yeah. I'm, I'm curious to see if like this spawns changes to leagues, you know, like mm -hmm. because it's such a unique circumstance or so many different things, you're trying out different things that you would never tried out. So do you, you know, do you, with 20 games left in the NBA season in the future, do you like not basically say that, Hey, teams that are out of it are out of it, and let the rest of the teams play. And if you, have I would it, love that. If you it just be amazing, like and if you had a game scheduled against a team that's out that's been kicked out, come out, 
Let yeah. them go. And if they're mad about it, just be better. Don't be one of the worst right. teams. Just be better. Just don't be so bad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll um, try. It's also gonna be crazy that like the finals are gonna be going on in October, competing head to head with the NFL. Now the NFL is the king. You know, it, it's the top ten rated television shows in 2019 are are nine of them are NFL games, and the tenth is, you know, this is us. So, I mean, like it's not even close. Um, but it's gonna be interesting to see, you know, with them going head to head with the finals in October. Like that's gonna be cool, especially with the circumstances, and especially if the NFL is like having replacement players, it's gonna be very interesting. But um, I mean. The Lakers, you know, it's hard to think that anybody's going to be the Lakers. Uh, the Eastern Conference should be ashamed of itself. Like, it has so, been so long, so long, probably since the Jordan era, that the East was even close to the West. Like, it, it, and I know the Cavs won a title, but other than that, it's like always the West. It's crazy. Um, so I just don't even know what teams in the East are even close to the West. You know, maybe the Celtics. The Bucks are obviously really good, but I'm, I'm just a firm believer that experience matters in the NBA playoffs. And that's the weird thing is it's like, maybe this year it doesn't. Maybe this is the one year where this, it's unique, where experience doesn't matter. But, I mean, you go back in, in NBA history, experience matters. You know, you have to th – there are legitimate steps you have to go through that, you know, that Giannis hasn't gone through yet. So, um, like, that's that's – doesn't matter who you are like every player has gone through that lebron michael the greats every one of them except for like magic who won a championship his rookie year but you know for the most part there are there are steps but he had cream so there are steps you have to go through to win titles and so i you know lakers and clippers to me like that's gonna be a really fun western conference finals um and then you know i think i mean i, I certainly think boston and, and milwaukee you know in the east um uh, would be fun too but i think that's less that's less obvious in terms of going to happen than Lakers, Clippers. And I do think the Lakers will win it. Mm -hmm. And I mean, since you're there, um, what do you kind of think of the Mavericks playing in Dallas? Um, I mean, they're not ready to win a title yet, but they obviously have two really good pieces on their team. Well, one for sure. <laughs> no, Chris Stops is good too. Luke is amazing. Um, they need to figure it out quickly in terms of, you know, getting the right pieces around him because – Otherwise, there's a lot of wasted time with guys that he's developing chemistry with that aren't going to be there. And, and then you're talking about a guy that when he's a free agent might be looking to leave. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Luca's he's unbelievable. He had a triple-double, 30-point triple-double the other night. Um, you know, it's funny. I was, I was talking last night on my podcast, uh, Steak, Bourbon, and Sports, about that 2018 draft, if you could redraft it. And my buddy who's on that podcast, and he went to Arizona. And so he's, he, you know, we argued before that draft. I was like, I would take Luca number one, no, without question. And he was like, no, eight. I'd definitely take eight. Like, you know, even two years later now, it's so obvious that Luca should have been the number one pick. But even then, like, you, I mean, definitely not eight. You could say, um, you know, Trey Young, but one of those two, if you redrafted, would be the first two picks. And then Jaron Jackson's probably the third pick. So it'd be interesting to see if you redrafted that 2018 draft, what it would look like. But yeah, I mean, um, Luca makes the Mavs fun to watch. I, th I think this offseason is going to be very important um, in terms of putting the right pieces around Luca. I think they found some guys that are certainly the right pieces, but ultimately, I think they're going to need, um, you know, more more consistent three point shooting and probably another, you know, another great player, um, another you know another player on Kristaps's level. I don't know that Kristaps could be the second best player on a championship team. I think mm -hmm. he's probably going to be your third best player. Yeah. So I just want to go back to stay on the NBA really quick. 
I'm sure you saw the Devin Booker shot that he hit yesterday to beat the Clippers. You mentioned, like, you don't know if experience matters. I feel like that does make a difference because if he's in the Staples Center, the ball got knocked away before he took that shot. Like, does he still make that if there's 20,000 fans all screaming, exciting, that the ball just got deflected away and the Clippers are going to probably win? So I feel like kind of the environment that they're in has kind of leveled things out a little bit. Like, T.J. Warren's going for 53, 39, 32 points. Like, I just feel like stuff is happening that wouldn't necessarily happen in away arenas on a level playing ground the way they are now. So I think there is something to be said about what you mentioned. True. However, it's still the quote-unquote regular season. And, I mean, the regular season, the postseason, the NBA are so different. And I know every sport says that, but I don't know that there's a sport in which the, the chasm between regular season and postseason is, is that big. I don't know if there, there's a sport that, where it's that big like the NBA. And the reason for that is – you know, so most NBA teams don't really do much advanced scouting for, for upcoming opponents. You know, like they, they're kind of on their own thing. They're doing their own thing. They're, they're sort of looking at what they do, but they're not, because there's games so frequently, like they're not looking at specific opponents and, and then playing those opponents. In the postseason, they do, obviously. Like you're zeroed in on an opponent. So every team has a flaw. In the NBA, the best teams, the teams that are best at hiding their flaws win. And that comes with experience. Um, I also think, so like the advanced scouting piece is so big. So you, you still get that in the regular season where teams aren't really preparing for specific teams. Whereas in the postseason, they are. And your flaws are right there for everybody to see. And so the best coaches, like that's what they do. They just expose your flaws in the postseason and continually do it until you can you know, count until you can counteract. And then it's about figuring out where those flaws are and dictating terms and that kind of stuff. So that's, you know, that's a reason why the regular season and postseason are so different. Um, and then there's also like young guys, and, and maybe this is, this falls into what you were saying to your point. You know, you want to, there's like this idea of pacing yourself, you know, and that's now there's more rest for players where they'll take games off and, and actually literally rest. But, like, it's a freaking marathon. You play 82 games, and then you got to play, you know, four. You got to win four in the first round, win four in the second round, win four in the third round, win four in the, in the championship. That's what – that's 16 wins you need. Mm-hmm. Is that right? 16 wins. And that's, that's at a minimum. If you swept the entire postseason, you have to play 16 games to win a title. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you're going to play 20 to 30 games in the postseason. So, it's – I mean, that's 100 basketball games. And, and not only that, but – like injuries just mount up and fatigue and wear and tear because you've been playing nonstop for such a long period of time. So there is just this element of watching a team win a, win a championship that like they are just on their last legs and they, they, they know they could spell the finish line. And that's something that comes with experience because you've been in that moment when you've been ousted from the playoffs and you felt that fatigue and the fatigue is what did you win. And that happens a lot. Because the talent level in the NBA is so close that it's those little things, adjustments, scheme, defensive assignments, fatigue, that play such a crucial role. And the experienced team knows that. And so they feast on the younger team who might have had a guy like T.J. Warren expel all of his energy, getting all of those points in a quote-unquote meaningless game. Now it's meaningful for the Suns because they haven't made the playoffs in a long time and they're looking to get back. But, and that's why, maybe to your point, that that part of it matters less because these guys had time off 
and it hasn't been this continual grind. Um, so we'll see. But, but I do think the advanced scouting, exposing teams' weaknesses, continuing to expose them, um, you know, that is still going to be in play here in the bubble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, just moving to the next league, MLB has been kind of a disaster trying to do yes. their <laughs> whole thing. So do you think they're going to finish one? And if they do, who do you think will win in that league? I think best shot right now, just based on talent alone, I would think the Dodgers, um, especially with Mookie Betts there now and the pieces they had in place before. But I think it's going to be ugly, but they're going to try to get to the finish line if they can. Yeah, they, they will, um, you know, again, if they can. I, the thing is, I don't think they're going to play 60 games. You know, I, I, it's, there's just going to be more teams that get it that then have to take, you know, take games off, and those teams have to play teams that are going to take games off. So, I, like, I think you're going to have, at the, end of the, at the end of the day, very few teams that actually got to 60, mm-hmm. uh, but they'll get there. Um, yeah, I mean, the Dodgers are a good bet, only they always lose. Yeah. <laughs> they, they have really good teams. They just can't figure out a way to win the World Series. Um, it's so early to tell. I mean, the Yankees, um, you know, the Cubs. Uh, you know, I grew up in Chicago as a White Sox fan. Uh, they're fun and young. Uh, they've got some really good players. Yeah, some, some um, like Yoan Moncada, who they got from the Red Sox. The, the uh, Chris Sell trade is, is fantastic. Uh, they've got this guy, Luis Robert, um, who's – 22 year old rookie from Cuba who's like unbelievable. He's, I think he's leading Major League Baseball in war, offensive and defensive. Um, but I, that, that I think will be way m- much more up in the air relative to the NBA. You know, whereas like the NBA, it's like the, the Clippers are going to be there, the Lakers are going to be there. You know, it's obvious the te- most talented teams will still be there. I, I just don't know if that's the case in baseball because it's like who gets it, when do they get it, um, and then, you know, and, and, how much does it affect their clubhouse? I, I think, you know, teams that insulate themselves and, and buy in, um, which could be a surprise team, right? You get a surprise team that's good that the clubhouse figures out, like, we like winning. We enjoy this. Nobody go out. Nobody, you know, everybody stay in, quarantine yourself. I think that's a team that's going to end up winning it, uh, and it could be a surprise. But the Dodgers are a good bet. problem is they just always lose. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then last league, the NFL, uh, I think you could pick a winner, but I'm kind of more interested to see how far you think uh, Dallas is going to go this year because I just feel like like you never know what's coming from that team, but they have as much talent as anybody in the league, especially on the offensive side of the ball. The Cowboys should be in the mix, no question about it. They have, uh, they're going to have one of the best offenses in football. Um, I'm going to post a video here shortly on, on YouTube on the defense and the ways that they should still improve their defense because you don't have to be great on offense and defense. You do have to be good. You have, you have to be great on one side of the ball. You have to be okay on the other side of the ball. And I think that's – I'm wondering if the Cowboys are, you know, are they bad on defense or are they okay on defense? Um, and, you know, so I, I think, like, the difference between the Cowboys getting to the playoffs and, and flaming out, which is what they've done basically for the last two decades, uh, is – will their defense be okay or will it be bad? Um, the Kansas City Chiefs are, they should win another Super Bowl. I mean, they have the best quarterback in the league. It's probably not even close. Um, and if you look at, at the, the Chiefs in 2018 versus 2019, like this is exactly what I'm talking about. An elite offense with a bad defense. In 2019, they were an elite offense with an okay defense. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that's why they were – that's why the Chiefs lost in 18. That's why they won in 19. And so, I, you know, for the Cowboys, it's like 
who are they? Are they the 2018 Kansas City Chiefs or the 2019 Kansas City Chiefs? Uh, I'd lean more towards 18 because I'm just not certain about their defense, uh, specifically in the back end of their defense. Um, but, you know, the NFL always has surprise teams. Uh, I think San Francisco is still going to be really good. Uh, I think they scheme well. They've got a great defense. Um, Seattle will be good. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it, some of the kind of usual suspects that you can count on, the Patriots and Steelers, just not sure how good they're going to be this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Dallas should – I think they have the ability to be okay on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, they have Smith and Van Der Esch are good pieces to kind of build with your linebackers. I think secondary is probably kind of the question mark right now. But Right. And then you know, and who rushes the passer – opposite uh, DeMarcus Lawrence. You know, they got a bunch of lottery tickets, but at, at this point, you know, you've got no proven commodity there. And that's, you know, I mean, that's where it's like, why not make a run at Everson Griffin? Why not make a run at Jadevian Clowney? They're available. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it's on a one-year deal, you're going to overpay for, you know, it's like that one of those two could be the guys that push you over the edge because at this point you're counting on Alden Smith who hasn't played in five years and, you know, and, and Bradley and I, who's a fifth-round pick, like these are the guys you're counting on right now to opposite, to rush the passer opposite to Marcus Lawrence. That, that's what I find to be problematic because the back end of your defense is bad, um, questionable at best, bad at worst. And, um, you know, and, and, and your linebacking core is okay for sure. I mean, that, that's certainly the best part of their defense. Um, but, you know, I, I, I'm just – you know, they had Robert Quinn who picked up 11 and a half sacks last year rushing opposite to Marcus Lawrence. Like that's – you need somebody else there that you can count on consistently that knows how to get to the passer um, opposite of Marcus Lawrence to take advantage of that. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I agree with you, what you said on the Chiefs. Um, I love Lamar. He was my fantasy quarterback, but I don't think he has what it takes to kind of lead Baltimore past Kansas City. I think it would take a lot for any team to figure out how to slow down Mahomes and do enough to beat that team. Cause right, because, you, you know, the way the NFL works now, you have to outduel these offenses, you know. So it's like, is your offense capable of putting up 50? Because if it's not, then you're, you're like, not to say the Chiefs are going to score 50 every game, but that's the thing is it's like you get to a playoff, you're going you're, you're gonna to have to win a game on defense. You're going to have to win a game on offense. So can you win a game? On, you know, because people always look at the Super Bowl and they're like, well, it was low scoring. It's like, that's not how – but how would you get there? Because you have to win multiple games to get there. So it's like each game you're going to win in different ways. So you have to figure out different ways to win. That's why if you have a bad defense, it might not be exposed in one playoff game, but it will be exposed in a different playoff game. Yeah. So in one of those playoff games, you're going to have to score 50, you know? And, and do you have an offense capable of doing that? Um, that's, a, that's a question that, that teams have to ask because that's, that's what it kind of takes to beat modern NFL offenses. Yeah. I mean, it's like the Patriots in 2018, they – won the Super Bowl 14 to three, but they had to score 40 That's on the exactly charge, right. and then 30 in Kansas city to get there. That's so. exactly right. And everybody looked at the Patriots and were like, they won on defense. Did they, did they, how about the two previous games where they won almost exclusively with their offense? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's it. It's like, you have to win multiple ways. The Patriots of 2018 are a great example, but I mean, you can go back in history and you'll find Super Bowl champs that had to do that every, you know, every game. Uh, the, the Super Bowl is just one game, one independent trial. Um, it's not indicative of past success or, 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 or what will happen, uh, what could happen. It's just indicative of you. That's how they, they had to win that game. So you had to have a team position to win a game like that. And they did. All right. That was Ari Temkin. You guys can find him on Twitter at Ari sports. That's a R I sports, all lowercase, all one word. Uh, big thanks to him for coming on, talking about his career and, you know, sports in general during this, unfortunately, 
sportless time that we've been living through. So we appreciate that. Uh, make sure you follow him, and you can also check him out on Dallas Cowboys Radio Network 105.3 The Fan, Sirius XM Radio, Big 12 Channel, uh, occasionally on ESPNU Radio, as he mentioned, and he also co-hosts the Showtime with Coop podcast on CLNS Media. That's with Michael Cooper, who was a member of the Showtime Lakers, won a couple of championships with them, and talks a lot about... Uh, his own playing career and kind of the throwback NBA. So that's a fun podcast. So check things out, show Ari some support. And uh, on behalf of Ian, who had to run off in the middle of our podcast to go to work, uh, appreciate him sticking it out and staying with us as long as he could. Uh, so we thank him for joining. We're hoping to be back next week, uh, but we'll give you updates there. Uh, sound you hear at the beginning and end of the podcast. That is from freemusicarchive.org. That's Young Cart's Seattle song playing. Uh, so just want to give the credit there. And again, thanks to Ari for joining. Thank you guys for listening, and we hope to be back soon. I'm Danny Priest, and thank you for tuning in to the Snow Deal and the Priest podcast. <laughs>